60 years ago, Harry Reasoner of 60 Minutes fame. Harry Reasoner wrote this. The one message of Christmas is the Christmas story. If it's false, we're doomed. And if it's true, as, as it must be, it makes everything else in the world all right. Quote is as true today as it was 60 years ago. Not only about the Christmas story, but about what, what it means, what it entails. Because there really are only three logical ways to respond to something like the birth of a miracle child to a virgin in the middle of the night. One is the cynical way, the secular way that says, you'd have to be an idiot to believe that. That's clearly, it's a myth. A lot of people feel that way. It's, it's Santa Claus, it's the Easter Bunny, it's the baby Jesus, it's the Tooth Fairy, it's Bigfoot. It's, it's a myth. It doesn't mean anything except that people are desperate and ignorant. Second way is the, the mystical, magical, holiday TV special kind of way of taking this in. It's a, it's a moving, magical story that, that inspires me during this magical season. Maybe not next week, but this week it's special. It inspires me to smile. And, and a lot of people love this way of looking at it. A lot of people enjoy this. Even non-Christians love thinking of this as a magical time of year where somehow the world is just different because it doesn't require any real change. Only Scrooge changes. Everybody else just falls in love, decides to be a better person this week because of the magic. It's non-threatening. Of course, the third way is what Reasoner was getting at and what Scripture is getting at. To take this by faith that it is not just true for me, but it's capital T, true. This is what happened. This is history. And if it is true with a capital T, that this actually happened, that God himself came to earth, that he was Emmanuel with us, then that's got to be life-changing. I can't go through the day without that affecting me, that God himself walked this path with me. And if it is life-changing, our life should change. It should affect us, not just during the magical time of Christmas. It should affect me every day. I can see stress and stressors. I can see complications and frustrations. I can see pain and anxiety all around me. The world is as broken as it ever was. But Christmas reminds us that even if we find ourselves amidst life upheavals, amidst world upheavals, in the middle of wars, in the middle of pain, anguish, people starving, the Christmas story, if it really is capital T truth, reminds us that everything can still be suffused with hope. Because the Christmas story isn't saying that God is just going to make everything fine, or that that we are misunderstanding the world and that everything is beautiful and hopeful, but that in the midst of a broken world where we're surrounded by wars and starvation and pain, there can still be hope. In the midst of a world that's dominated by the Roman Empire, hope could be born in a stable. It puts things into perspective, not a blithe hope that just hopes everything's going to be okay, not a warm, fuzzy hope that says this is a magical time of year, but it's 
deep and strong and abiding hope that comes from knowing that a life-changing God walked with us and walks with us. That that changes things. Not just a God who came, but a God who planned all of this, planned for all of this. Over the past month, we've been talking about other miracle babies in the Bible leading up to the birth in Bethlehem. We've been talking about babies like Isaac, the son of Abraham, whose birth was foretold by an angel to a couple who obviously couldn't have any children. A baby whose physical descendants were supposed to bless the entire world, but who was born to be a sacrifice, and yet somehow survived the sacrifice and lived after that. Or we talked about babies like Samson, the superhero, whose birth was foretold by an angel to a couple who obviously couldn't have any children. A baby born to be holy, and yet his life was anything but holy. All he did was screw up stuff and break all the vows that he'd ever made. And yet God still used him. God still loved him. And God even used him more powerfully in his death than he'd ever been used in his life. Babies like Samuel, the prophet priest, born as an answer to prayer for a couple who obviously couldn't have children. The very name means that God hears us when we pray. A baby who wouldn't carry on his dad's local business or bring children into his family line. And yet his ministry brought forth kings and, and blessed the family line of the coming Messiah, the King of Kings. We talked about babies like John the Baptist, whose birth was foretold by an angel to a couple that obviously couldn't have children, like Isaac had been, like Samuel had been. A baby born to be holy from birth, like Samson had been, but who actually then lived a holy life. It was even holy before he was born. He, he looked and dressed and acted like Elijah, the powerful prophet that a lot of people thought may just come back someday. John was greater than any prophet who had ever lived up to that point. He was so in touch with the Holy Spirit that even when he was in his mother's womb, he leapt for joy when he came in to anywhere near close proximity to the actual honest-to-goodness Capital T, true miracle baby that all of these miracle babies had been pointing to. Because John, as amazing as John was, John was just a herald to the capital T, true miracle baby, the son of God. Because Christmas isn't about Christmas trees or reindeer or presents or jolly old elves or whatever you're planning to make for a meal tomorrow. Christmas is about a dark and quiet night in an overfilled little suburb in Jerusalem when God said, I created you guys to be a family with me. I created you guys to find joy every day, to live in absolute perfect union with one another and with your world. And you broke all of it. You broke every part of what I gave you. You broke every relationship. You broke your own heart. You broke everything and you incurred such a huge debt that there was no way that you could ever pay for it you could be the nicest person in the world the most faithful believer in the world the most caring individual in the world and you stand condemned already to a debt you can never pay my my children stand condemned but i've committed myself to coming down and walking with you, to 
to living with you, to paying the debt that you could never pay on your own. Emmanuel. To bring you back into the family I sculpted you to be part of in the first place. And all I ask, all I ask is that you let me. Let me bring you back. When I reach out to you, reach back to me. When I say I want to be your father, live with me and my family. Live like you were sculpted to live. You were created to live. And so, dark, quiet night in Bethlehem, Jesus was born, the Son of God, whose birth was foretold by an angel like Isaac and John had been. As an answer to prayer for a couple who obviously couldn't have any children like Samuel and John had been. A baby born to be holy from the get-go like Samson and John had been, but who had then actually lived a holy life, when he was even holy before he was born, and not just holy, but unlike John, sinless. A baby who wouldn't carry on his dad's local business or bring any children into his family line, but a baby whose spiritual descendants would to bless the whole world because he was born to be a sacrifice, and yet somehow after that was still alive. But who was used even more powerfully in his death than he ever had been in his life. The King of Kings. The brightest light. The brightest light that night wasn't the star, wasn't a host of angels that filled the sky. It was the light of salvation that was finally dawning after centuries of the world itself yearning, looking for this. Finally, salvation was there. And there really are only, logically, three ways of looking at that, three ways of responding. It's a myth. It's a story. Or no, no, no. It's magical. Or no. It's true. And my life needs to change. <laughs>